when you breathe, you take in more things around you. It's very hard to maintain balance when the world around you is swirling. Belief, I think, comes from the ability to just have the confidence and the discipline to go at something and go at it with, with vigor, with mindfulness, with purpose, and with discipline. This is the Other Side of Adversity podcast, inspiring stories to fill your cup. I'm your host, Laura Massey, and welcome to the show. Our guest today is Bapa Chowdhury. Bapa is a professional speaker, leadership coach, and a sought-after consultant on the topics of success and happiness. Bapa firmly believes that happiness is a catalyst for high performance. He speaks about his discipline to happiness through his mantra, breathe, balance, and believe. Prior to becoming a professional speaker and consultant, Bapa spent 32 years in the corporate world with the German medical engineering conglomerate Siemens. Bapa holds an MBA from Rutgers University and a Bachelor of Electrical Engineering degree from McGill University. Today, I'm very pleased to welcome to the show, Bapa Chowdhury. Thank you so much for being here, Bapa. Thank you for having me. You have a very interesting background. You were actually born in India and grew up all around the world. Can you tell our listeners a little about your background and, and that journey? I was born in India and my father joined the World Health Organization of the United Nations when I was a young boy. So we left India when I was two years old and moved my elder brother, my mom, my dad to Nigeria in West Africa. And then I spent some years in Nigeria boarding school in Wales, boarding school in India, finished up high school in Freetown, Sierra Leone, West Africa again, where my father had moved to, college in Canada, and then career with Siemens out of London, England for many years. Was there a religious or spiritual influence to your childhood? Well, I mean, I grew up Hindu at home. My father and mother were Hindu. And But I was living in, in countries where or in schools which were either Muslim backgrounded or, or Catholic or missionary in, in India, American missionary schools. So uh, I've been exposed to many different religions throughout my life, through school and through life. And you're such a natural storyteller, Bapa. Was storytelling a big part of your childhood? I, I think the story started with my mother when I was a young boy. Uh, my mother was a, a history teacher and a teacher in school. And um, we, we would come home from school and I was a, you know, 11, 10, 11, 12, or a little older. And I would come home from school with my younger, and my younger brother was with me in that time. My elder brother was already in college. And we would sit around after lunch and we'd say, Ma, tell us a story, tell us a story. And my mother, to keep us entertained, this was in Africa and Nigeria and Sierra Leone, would tell us stories from the, the night before's TV episodes. So imagine if you can remember shows like Mannix or Perry Mason or Bonanza, which are today, you know, archaic Smithsonian movies, shows. But back then they were current. And my mother, we wouldn't be able to watch it because it'd be in the late, late in the evening. My mother would watch them. And then the next day she would tell us a story about Bonanza or Mannix or Perry Mason. But she'd weave into a tale of some other way. And, and that's how storytelling became a part of my, 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 up, my upbringing. So I found out that when you, when you give a speech today, when I give a speech and anybody gives a speech, 
we are enthralled more by the story than by the actual speech itself. And I think that's the magic of being a good speaker. Oh, absolutely. And I, I actually, that, that really resonates with me. And I look at good pastors or speakers and they, they always tell stories and it's something in the story that they later talk about in their message, but you remember the story. You don't. Yes. That's a great you example. Remember the message through the story. Yes, a great example because I think the Bible is the, one of the best story books in the, in the in the history of mankind. It's such a great storytelling of the birth of Jesus and how he went around preaching and uh, experiences that he dealt with and lived with. So th to me, and, and you're right because I even go to certain churches uh, because of the preacher. If the preacher is entertaining to me and enthralling to me, I, I stick with the church. If the preacher is not, I don't find the church uh, interesting to me. And you mentioned that you worked for Siemens and you spent, I, I believe, 30 years in the corporate world. Can you talk a little bit about your career change and, and how you transitioned to become a, a speaker and happiness coach? So I went through the, uh, actually, yeah, you're right. It was, it was 33 years in total with Siemens. I started off as a electrical engineer in the service organization, fixing medical equipment in hospitals. And they went through different career paths or career changes within Siemens. I did from service, I went into product marketing, into service marketing, into sales, and then into management of different groups. So I had many different jobs within one company. And after 32 years, an opportunity came up to jump into an area which I had been doing sort of at Siemens, but not really as a core function or more as a side function on speaking. And uh, I decided to become a motivational or business speaker. And uh, I jumped in in 2015, full body into the pool. So that was quite a change. Along your journey, was there any obstacle or adversity that you had to face and how did you overcome it? So I think if I could look back at life, the toughest hurdle or the most challenging hurdle, I would say, came about 10 years ago when I was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. And uh, as you can well imagine, that was quite a life-altering, uh, not a hurdle, a stop, red light, and then uh, how do I move on? And I had to dig deep, if they say, uh, into my own life, into my own being, mind, I had to use my, my mantra of breathe, balance, and believe in my own life. So that, that helped a lot also. And it's helping a lot because it's, it's an ongoing journey with Parkinson's. And can you tell me a little bit more about how being diagnosed changed your life and, and how you dealt with it? When you're diagnosed with Parkinson's, I, I think you go through phases just like any trauma that you hear about or feel or experience. You, you know, first there's the shock about what it is and why me and how me and, you know, why. And then the mind and the body start to adapt to it. And then so I've gone through in the 10 years, you know, through different phases of Parkinson's disease as it progresses. And it, it's a constant journey, as I say, you know, you wake up with it and then you go to sleep with it. And how you adapt to it through both medication and through personal changes in life like diet or exercise or mindfulness impact a lot of the degree of how you deal with Parkinson's. And what was the genesis of your mantra, your three guiding principles of breathe, balance, and believe? I was asked to give a talk to 
children at Bring Your Child to Work Day at Siemens in 2012. And I gave a talk at 8.30 in the morning to a group of about 300 children, ages from 8 to 18. And after the talk, uh, which uh, was quite an experience because it was only half an hour and it's not easy inspiring and motivating children at 8.30 in the morning. In fact, it's probably not easy to inspire anybody at 8.30 in the morning. But uh, I gave the talk and then they spent the rest of the day with, within Siemens. And then at three o'clock or so, HR called me back down again and they said, the kids want to see you again. And I went, wow, why do they want to see me? And I came down to the room and they were chanting my name, Bapa, Bapa. And, uh, you know, uh, Laura, I'm not LeBron James or Beyonce's brother. So I, I didn't quite understand why they were chanting my name and they wanted my autograph. And uh, that changes your life right there. That was a life-altering moment. And after that talk, uh, this lady who was in the audience, a mother of one of the, uh, a mother who was an employee of Siemens, came up to me and said, you know, you have something to share with people. Uh, I'll be in touch. And she left. And a few months later, she got in touch with me. And she said, do you remember me? And we talked about it. And she said, let's talk about your talk. And she had taken copious notes during my talk about what my message could be. And through that journey, we started working on it. And she helped me craft this three pillars of my of a life mantra, breathe, balance, and believe. What did you tell the children? So I remember this, this story was so, so, so like yesterday. I mean, what happened was that this lady from HR came up to me and she goes, Papa, can you please uh, motivate this group? And I went, okay. And she said, you know, you're, you're, I've heard you speak to salespeople before and you're, you know, you, you know how to do that. And I went, okay. So I went home and I was sweating. I was literally perspiring with anxiety which I don't normally do for a speech, but I was. And my wife said, what's wrong? And she, I said, I have to talk to these kids tomorrow. And she said, duh, you have three of them. You talk to kids all the time. Go talk to your kids and ask them what they, what they want to hear. And my wife, she was away with words. So I went and talked to my kids and they said, you know, tell a story, dad. You know, you're a storyteller. So I made Siemens into a school. And I made the CEO a principal and the teachers, you know, the managers were the teachers and the students were the, the employees. And I talked about how we, how we go through classes how we go through lunch breaks how we go through recess and, and how we build things in, in labs. And it just seemed to resonate with a lot of kids. They loved it. I had, you know, funny pictures of the, of our CEO as a, dressed as a principal and my, my, my young son is, is one of the workers in, in, his, in, my, in my chair. And that seemed to tell a story. And, and that's been my life before that, during that, and ever since that is telling stories. And can you talk me through the three pillars, starting with breathe, which is such an important one right now? The breathe starts with the ability or the capability to listen, to slow yourself down, pause. And when you breathe, you take in more things around you. You see things in, in some ways in a slower motion. So that's my notion of breathe, which is slow down and just take in, absorb and listen. And I think listening is probably one of the most challenging things we face in life is how do we listen more to people around us? So that's where breathe comes from. And what does listening mean to you? <laughs> that's a great question. Wow. I think this thing, you know, there's an old quote I heard that says, you know, God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. 
when we listen, we, we learn more. You know, I remember the, the Dalai Lama said, when you listen, you learn something that you didn't know. When you speak, you say something you already know. And I think that's where, we, where, where one can just listen. You, you learn more from around you by listening rather than saying something you already know. That's what I think the critical aspect of listening is the ability to learn more from people or sounds around you. So let's move on to balance. Why is it important to find balance and how do you establish and maintain balance in life? So the best way I can tell you the answer for that doesn't come from the wisdom of Bapa. It came from the wisdom of a teenager in high school. So I was giving a talk on breathe, balance, and believe to a group of high school students in Westchester, Pennsylvania, a few years ago. And I asked this group of people, I said, you know, I came to my point in the talk of balance. And I said, okay, give me some great answer. Why do we need to balance in life? And I was waiting for an answer of some kind and this, nobody put their hand up. So finally this one kid in the back of the room put his hand up and I ran to the back end and I said, yes, tell, tell us wise one. And he said, so you don't fall. And I stopped cold. I just thought, my God, how profound an answer from the mouth of a teenager. I think that says it all. It's a, in life, we, we tend to fall when we're off balance, whether it's physically falling or spiritually falling or financially falling or emotionally falling. If we're off kilter, off balance, we fall. So how do we maintain a balance in our life in all these aspects? That's the balance part of my talk. And what are the major challenges to keeping and, and maintaining balance? I think the major challenges are just setting priorities, choosing which path to follow, and having the presence of mind to know where you are. Because you know, all too often we're consumed by the situation we're in. Whatever the situation is, whether it's work, whether it's home, whether it's personal life, relationships, we may get overwhelmed or face a, a situation which overwhelms us. And it's very hard to maintain balance when the world around you is swirling. So the ability to go back to the point of one about reading and listening and, and calming down, slowing the pace of your mind down, allows you to balance better because it allows you to plan better. It allows you to know the situation better and then go from there. And the third pillar, believe. What does that mean to you? Belief comes from setting your mind to something, having a purpose behind it. And then having the confidence and the courage to take it on. I mean, all too often, as you probably know from your own life experience, and I think our listeners can probably understand this too, we, we set a, a goal in mind or a course or path in mind, and we, we, we start or we embark on that course. And then at some point, we face an, an hardship or a challenge. And many cases in life, we, we back away, we stop. Whether it's a New Year's resolution to lose weight, or set a new course on, in career or whatever it is. So belief, I think, comes from the ability to just have the confidence and the discipline to go at something and go at it with, with vigor, with mindfulness, with purpose, and with discipline. That's what I believe in when I talk about believing in. And how does applying these philosophies of breathe, balance, and believe lead to success and happiness? You know, when I think of happiness, uh, people think, you know, Bapa, you, you just want to jump up and do cartwheels. I don't think that's happiness. I think happiness is a state of mind, whether we're comfortable with something. And, and if you're happy with something, if you're comfortable with it and you're, you're at peace with it, then, then you may be happy with it. So to me, happiness is like a stool, a three-legged stool. 
if your life is in balance with breathing, balancing, and believing, then, then you may be happy. And, and that's my whole mantra. That's my whole purpose is that if we just apply breathe, balance, and believe to any aspect of your life, whether it's a job situation, whether it's a life situation, a personal situation, if you apply these three mantras and three principles, you can find a balance and be a three-legged stool of comfort. If one is off target, if one, one foot of the stool is off target, the stool is not in balance and, or not in equilibrium, and then you have a challenge. And let's go back to, to earlier when you were talking about dealing with Parkinson's disease. How, how do you apply your mantra to, to deal with Parkinson's? That's a, another good question. I think the way I can tell you that is that a friend of mine who is a coach who helped me with my physical aspects and my mental aspects of health and mindfulness asked me a question every day I would go to see him. He says, has Parkinson's gone away? It always causes me to stop and say, you know, I have something that is with me for life. It doesn't go away. And there's no magical wand. So when you wake up in the morning, as I said earlier, you wake up with Parkinson's. When you go to bed at night, you go to bed with Parkinson's. So how I deal with it every day is a game of the mind. And I, I literally call it mind games to myself and my family. I say the, the game of minds. Because like... Anybody who deals with any situation in their life, it, which is constant or there, it's with you the, all the time. So it's how you approach it, how your attitude is towards it. And there are days when it overwhelms me. You know, I, I succumb to the pressures of Parkinson's or the inability to move or the inability to do something. And there are days I have to tell myself, Papa, come on, step up and balance yourself, breathe, believe in this action, action and let's go with it. And that's, that's how it helps me, really. There are days when I don't want to get up, and I have to tell myself, get up, exercise, stretch, walk, do your yoga, whatever it is that will help you. And that's how I use the philosophy to help me go through life. Thank you for sharing. So this is a very stressful time for everyone right now. What are ways that people can help deal with the stress of the current crisis and, and help shift their mindset by applying these principles? This uh, pandemic uh, with COVID-19 or coronavirus has really, I think, been a, an opportunity for all of us in the world. As I tell my children and my family when we get together is there's something very equaling or balancing that puts us all in the same spot. You know, whether you're a rock star or a TV actor or a politician or Bapa or Laura, we're all equal right now. We're all in the same spot. We're either locked in at home and this equality is very, to me, calming and refreshing because there's nothing about our talents that's at work. It's how we are all in the same space. So if we can use this opportunity to breathe first and say, okay, what's going on around me? How am I dealing with it? Let me assess my situation. Let me listen to people around me. Let me listen to my own voice and then plan out what you want to do. Each of, each of us can do something different, whether it's how we approach the day, how we approach our jobs. Like in my case, I'm doing a major cleanup of my basement with my wife. Now, you might consider that a, a task, and it is a chore, but it's also very healing for us because we're finding things that we found, that we lost long or forgotten about many years ago, throwing away things which don't, you know, just clutter. 
And I'm sharing a lot of the things I find with my friends on Facebook. So an interesting experience is going on. With the, I'm going through my files and my photographs and my junk, and I'm b balancing it out and, and sharing it with my friends. And it's making each of them think in, in their own worlds about their own lives and helping them process things. So I believe this epidemic or pandemic is helping us to reassess our situations, make plans for the next steps, and deal with the new normal or the next normal in a balanced way. What's the most interesting thing you found in your cleaning? Uh, the most interesting thing I, I think is pictures. I, I love finding pictures because, you know, the old saying that says a picture tells a thousand words or a thousand stories. Most of us throw albums away over time, you know. Very few people keep the albums over through generations. And my dad was a big photographer and I became a big photographer. And so earlier in my youth and my career, I took lots of pictures, not only of, my, of our children, we have three children, but also friends and events. And, and I remember, you know, people used to yell at me for taking pictures or saying, dad, do we have to pose for this? Do we always have to pose? But now, you know, when they're in their teens and late teens and early twenties, they're like, hey dad, that was a great picture you found of me. And I share these pictures on Facebook by telling a story about the picture. I don't just show the picture, I tell a story. And it's amazing to me how people respond to the storytelling. So if life is a, a story of itself, then telling stories through pictures enhances life. So that's how I view my latest expedition down the garage and basement. So what, what advice would you give your younger self? <laughs> Breathe. I, <laughs> I laugh because, you know, if I look back and I say, how would I have changed anything I do? I, I think if, if, if there had been somebody to help me along, if I, if I had a coach when I was 20 or 25 or 30 in my career or my life, I would have said, just slow down a little bit. You know, you don't have to achieve everything in your life or in your career by the time you're 23. But it's hard to tell somebody that, you know, when you're young, you want it all. You want to do everything quickly. And it's hard to slow down. But if I was to help somebody out today, my younger self, I'd say breathe first. And maybe in a way that's not, that's not entirely true because I probably did breathe a lot, and which helped me become a better breather when I was older. So maybe that's part of the, the story itself is, just live the life that you find at your own pace and be content with it. Any final thoughts? First of all, I'd like to thank you for doing what you do. I mean, you know, when I spoke with you in the first time we spoke, you were on a journey yourself. You were looking for something to share with people and find a purpose. And I, I really do believe that the launch of your show and this podcast series and uh, the arrival of the pandemic has been maybe scripted in some ways, uh, higher powers work, because it, it's allowed you to touch on a top topic which people want to, are dealing with. People are dealing with anxiety. People are dealing with stress. People are dealing with worry. And, uh, and for many, it's exacerbated some of their current situations. If they suffer from mental illness, or physical illness, these are exacerbated by the current situation. So I think the timing of what you're doing and what you are doing is helpful for humanity, not just for one. Thank you.
that really means a lot, honestly. Um, thank you. Great. So where can people find you to learn more? So the best and easiest way to find me is my, my, my website, www.bapachowdhury.com. I'm also on LinkedIn and I'm also on Facebook. But I think the, my website is probably the easiest. And, uh, and then follow me. Just follow me on, on social media and uh, give me feedback. I'm interested to hear from your audience to what they got out of this talk, what they get out of BBB, Breathe, Balance and Believe. And where can they get me to come help them? Talk to them individually, talk to their teams, talk to their church groups, talk to their congregations, talk to their corporations. I'd love to be heard and get a chance to tell my story more. Great. Thank you so much. This, this really has been an awesome experience getting to know you and, and chatting. And let's definitely keep the dialogue going. Love it. Thank you for finding me and, and getting me to be heard by your audience. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you enjoyed this. That's all for this episode of The Other Side of Diversity podcast. Hope you've been inspired. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the show or leave a review. It's the equivalent of supporting a small business owner. Love fully, live fully, and shine your beautiful light. Thank you.